Amen. Well, good morning, Northlands, again. Amen. Mm. This is a, I find a sweet message from the Lord. And let me just tell you right now, tighten up your seatbelts. Grab hold of your parachute and tug at it and make sure it's firm. Because what I'm believing for this morning, that the Lord will take us up to a higher place in him and open up the doors wide that we can jump out into faith. Let the wind of the Holy Spirit catch our sail and glide us right where we need to land in him. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Romans 10, 17 says, it's not up there, but I'm going to read it to you. Faith. Faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me just say up front, I am going to be reading a reasonable amount of scripture. So I trust that you will indulge me in that. Because I love scripture. I love scripture. If you love scripture, go on and say amen. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 1 states, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith. I like to say that N-O-W in the now is an acronym for no other way. Outside of faith, can we please God? No other way. Outside of faith, can we please God? Glory be to God. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, The Awesomeness of God's Love That. That. This message really stems from a word of the Lord that we received back in January as, as elders we meet together and hear, Lord, what are you saying to us? What are you saying for Northlands? And sometimes that word is not only for Northlands, but it spreads abroad. And the word he gave, which I will share at some point in this message, is one of those words. Now, initially, I want to sit around my message in the awesomeness of God's love that makes us aware of who he is. Why he extends warnings and guidance in this earth realm. Through his loving word. At times, through his apostles. Through his prophets through his pastors, through his teachers, through the gifts of the Spirit, by power of Holy Spirit. Water break. <laughs> and a lot of you, let me just say, who are in the move, in the Spirit, have noticed that there's a shifting that's going on now. Shifting that's taking place all over the globe, this neighborhood that we live in, but also here at Northlands. There's a shift that's moving. And people who are sensitive to the things of God, the Spirit of God, are moving with that shifting. The only place to begin this message is at the beginning. The Gospel of John Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning 
was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him. Nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, say the right, to become children of God. To those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Oh, turn to someone and say, I'm that child he's talking about. Because I'm that child he's talking about. I said, I'm that child he's talking about. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I want to shout almost on that one. <laughs> Go ahead. Don't mind me. Go on to shout. <laughs> Whew. But of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When that word became flesh, the mind of God, the intelligence of God, was on display amongst us in the person of Jesus. God's way of thinking doing and being was before us in the flesh. God in person amongst us, showing his children the way to the kingdom of God the Father and what the kingdom was like. It's in the book of Genesis that we first see the awesomeness of God through guidance and warnings and operation with him speaking to Adam. His awesomeness to give us guidance, to give us guidance and awareness. Let's go to Genesis 2, beginning with verse 8. Still tracking? Amen. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to tend and keep it. Listen closely to this. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may eat freely or freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And all the single men say, me too, Lord. <laughs> Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. 
And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which God had taken from the man, he made into a woman. I have a friend, if he was up here, <laughs> he couldn't pass that up. When God presented that woman to Adam, he said, whoa, man, you and me, God. That's my friend Tom. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Genesis 3.1. Hang on now. I said I'll be reading some scripture, but I'm going somewhere because I want to build your faith up. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now the serpent, was more cunning, say more cunning, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the trees which is in the midst of garden, in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be just like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she gave, you know, I have to stop here. This is messes with me every time I get to this verse. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave her husband with her, and he ate. I always find something wrong with that picture. Remember that command I read earlier? What's up, Adam? Verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called out to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Let me pause. He said to Adam, where are you? It wasn't that Adam didn't, I mean, God didn't know where Adam was, but God wanted Adam to know and realize where he was and where he wasn't. Where Adam was and where he wasn't. There was a place that Adam was supposed to be in, in the cool of the day. Verse 10. And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree in which I commanded you that you shall not eat? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave 
to be with me. She gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is it you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now, let me, let me just say this, and this is kind of my thinking. Prior to eating from the tree of good and evil, what was Adam's knowledge base? Now, this is just my thoughts, that the first Adam's knowledge base at his creation came from a kingdom perspective. After having eaten from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the knowledge base that the first Adam had was now distorted, yeah. which affected his reasoning and his responses to his life and living situation that he had once known in the garden. We can determine from Adam's initial response to God, which was one of shame, fear, and blame. Blame God for the woman that he gave him. He was shamed because he was naked. He was fearful because he heard God coming. And I'm going to let that rest on you right now. Because whenever, I'm just, it's not in my notes, but let me just step over here and say this. Whenever you find yourself running from God, What's involved is fear, shame, and blame. You'll always find those cousins running together. Now, I want to throw this question out to you because the way I'm wired sometimes. Now, if the woman had received the exact information that Adam received from God concerning the eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, is it possible she would have responded differently to the serpent? I'm going to answer that. It's not a quiz. Okay, let's go back and look at what God said to Adam and what the woman said to the serpent. Genesis 2.17, God to Adam. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The woman to the serpent, Genesis 3.2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, we shall not eat it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Interesting. Adam commanded, I mean, God commanded Adam not to eat of it, right? Did you hear anything about don't touch it? Not to eat it. So where does she get this thing about touching it from? In my mind, I, I think Adam had a conversation with her. Walking through the garden. He's explaining all that God had done. Yeah, and there in the mist, the tree of life. And there, see that tree? The knowledge of good and evil. God said, don't eat from that. And 
Woman, I don't even want you to touch it. Else you will be one dead woman. That's the only place she could have got that. Because she was good to go until she ate it. Touching didn't mess her up. Eating it did. But I think touching it opened the door wide to her being deceived fully. Hallelujah. But we can agree that Adam and Eve had something we still have today, and that is free will. Oh, turn to someone and say, I got free will. But let's just look at what the second, second Adam said about his free will. John 4, 34. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. John 5.30, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. John 6.38, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Free will, free will, it comes down basically to two things. What you will do and what you won't do with your free will. Two things, basically, free will. What you will do and what you won't do with your free will. And it's more than likely motivated by your values and your belief system, which is predicated upon which kingdom you gravitate to, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of Satan, free will. It's not that free. Because there's always a cost to your free will. Jesus said in Matthew 6.24, out of the Amplified Classic Edition, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in. Where's your trust base? What are you trusting in outside of God and his kingdom? You cannot serve two masters. Down to verse 33. But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given to you besides. So what is the kingdom? It is God's way of thinking, doing, and being. How do we know what that looks like? How do we know what the kingdom looks like? 
It looks like the thinking, the doing, and being of the actions of Jesus when he was in this earth realm with us. He constantly talked about what is the kingdom like, and he would give him parables and pictures. But the real picture is Christ Jesus himself. You don't have to turn there, but Jesus said in John 10.30, I and my Father are one. Let me go to Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Paul states, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. The awesomeness of his love that makes us aware not only of who we are, but at times where we are and how his love extends warnings and guidance to us to the point that we should hardly ever be caught off God. I'm talking about being in him. I'm talking about being in him, centered in him. Hallelujah. To the point that he lets us know what is coming. We can see that over in Matthew 24 when his disciples came to him. And asking him, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Verse three, I'll start there. And now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming? and the end of the age. Listen at the first thing Jesus told them. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. a lot of stuff going on. A lot of lines are blurred now. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he, oh somebody say, but he, who endures to the end shall be saved. 
And this gospel, I said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. There's an increase going on. We feel it right here at Northlands. Constantly being called out into the nations that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. And he said, rejoice. Let me step over here. Hey, 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 don't look at me so serious. Rejoice. Rejoice. He said, I will be with you in times of trouble. Whatever trouble looks like, he is right in the middle of it with you. Whatever trouble looks like. From a stump toe to a bill being due. Whatever it looks like in your life. He said, I will be with you in times of trouble. Let me say this. Yeah, I see that time. <laughs> but God, as the first item, is still ringing out today. Where are you? Can I borrow three minutes? Yeah, Amen. Okay. I'm so glad God multiplies stuff. <laughs> Three, nine, twelve. <laughs> Where are you? It's still ringing out. And every generation is rung out. Where are you? That is to say, what type of ground are you standing on? Are you preparing for my coming? Now, for the sake of time, I will read the parable of the sower, chapter 13. I'm going to go down to verse 8, the parable of the sower. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. And he said to them, who have ears to hear, let them hear. Verse 13, I'm going down to the explanation of the parable. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? If it seems like I'm speeding up, that's because I am. <laughs> do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no roots in them, so they endure only for a time. We have to be rooted in Christ, Jesus. Hallelujah. These likewise... I'm sorry, I almost lost my place. Afterward, when the tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Down to verse 18. 
Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitful riches, and the desires of other things entering in, choke the word, and becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. Hallelujah. Since the creation of man, we find from the loving word of God that he has always made a way of escape for us. It has always been the awesomeness of his love that makes us aware not only of who we are, but at times where we are. It's through his warnings and guidance given to this creation that we may take a path that leads to his way of thinking, doing, and being, a kingdom perspective. And all that he has tended for us individually and collectively. So, when the craftiness of the devil shows up and attempts to influence us away from our kingdom perspective, our way of doing, being, and thinking like Christ, there's something that we can do. I believe that there are three things that we can do to aid us when we're challenged by anyone or anything that would attempt to influence us from maintaining our kingdom perspective. And that is reassess, realign, and reset. Reassess the evaluation of your situational purpose where you are standing in your walk with Christ Jesus. Realign. The act or instance of changing to a previous position or a different position than where you were to ensure that you are aligned in liberty and in love in your walk with Jesus, being empowered by his grace that enables you to be all that he's called you to be and do. Reset, to set, fix, or adjust in a new or different way to bring your complete focus on Christ Jesus. I said at the beginning that I will be sharing a word of the Lord that he gave us in January. Let me go ahead and just share that word now. In this season that we're now in, I'm looking for those who have a true heart for me and the things that pleases my Father. I'm calling out to you to take notice of my kingdom and how the world pairs in comparison. Oh, look again where you stand. For I have clearly marked out your steps according to my loving word. Keep your eyes fashioned upon me. Look again where you stand. Because we know in this season and time, we are in the end age that the line that you have drawn in the sand can become blurry. We cannot tease and joke with ourselves. And our pat answer, I've heard it decades. Oh, he knows my heart. Yes, he does. He knows it needs to change.
Don't use that. Don't use that. He knows my heart. Yeah. No. Go the easiest way to Lord, I love you. I just repent of anything that would keep me from you, that would keep me out of your presence, out of your will. My free will is yours. Amen. That's the way to go. Hallelujah. So we still have a little time left. But let me say this. I have it written down because I, I don't want to miss this. There are times when we have to do what I will say. A soul price check. The redemption that we have received in our relationship with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is priceless. What would you take for it? The only one that we can get a soul price check from is the one who paid the blood price for us in full, for our very soul. Matthew 16, 26. Jesus. For what profit it is to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? One thing I learned a long time ago. <laughs> yes, and I do have some age on me, although thank you, Lord, I look so young. <laughs> Hallelujah. No matter where you are in your walk, the moment you think you have arrived, you're already falling down. Why? Because that's pride. And pride comes before the fall. So what are you saying? Look again where you stand. We have to check ourselves out in him. Because time is short. And there's someone who is crafty that is after us, but God. But God. I say, but God. We have the victory. In Christ Jesus. So at this time, I'm going to let you just go and do what you do. And any of you, this is a special time we want to reserve a Holy Spirit to minister. And any one of those areas, reassess, realign, reset. If you need special prayer, just stand where you are. And the elders will come out and do a quick prayer. They may just lay hands on you. And if, you, and if you're in the middle, they can't get to you, kind of step out to the aisles. Amen? Oh, somebody say Jesus. Say Jesus like you mean it. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Whew. And if the Lord has been tugging on your heart, during the course of this message and you feel that he's tugging on you and you want to surrender today and make him your Lord and Savior. A quick little prayer you can say.
Hallelujah. Just say, Father, I surrender my all to you. I ask that you come into my heart and make me new and be my Savior and be my Lord. And I believe that with my heart and I confess it with my mouth. If you pray that in all sincerity out of your heart, pay. You're born again. And Melissa will come up and give you some additional instructions. But you know what, when I talk about the salvation, it's something I always never want to leave out to those who kind of got off and they want to rededicate themselves to the Lord. There's a prayer of rededication. All that is say, Lord, I just repent. I missed it. I kind of got off where I should be in you. So here I am, just like I am, and I'm running back to you. Receive me afresh and new in Jesus' name. If that's you, pray that prayer. Amen. So, I am, thank you, Lord. Y'all gave me three minutes. I'm going to cash that in. So if that's you and you need prayer, just stand. Myself and some of the elders, we can come out and meet you right where you are. Amen. And I'd like to invite Melissa just to come up and close us out.